This episode of Healing Ninjas was recorded at the Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. You can check us out at brooklynpodcastingstudio.com. We deal with a lot of first-time podcasters, so if you're looking to start a podcast, this is the place to be because we actually want you to succeed and we actually care about your podcast. In addition to having a really, really relaxed and professional environment, we also give a lot of great feedback, tips, and really go out of our way to try to help podcasters with any questions that they may have. So if you're interested, please check us out at brooklynpodcastingstudio.com and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Healing Ninjas podcast, a space dedicated to highlighting the healing stories of everyday people. This podcast is not a replacement for professional support. This podcast may contain content that may be graphic, violent, or traumatic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. The goal of sharing these stories is to help you, the listener, hear how people have struggled in various ways and the steps they have taken to become healing ninjas, individuals who are seeking to master the art of healing. Healing is not a linear process. We all have our ups and downs. This podcast aims to create a brave space for people to share and learn from one another. I'm your host, Hernan Carvente Martinez. Welcome to the Healing Ninjas community. Hey everyone, Hernan here again with another episode of Healing Ninjas. And today I am joined by my dear friend, friend who's out in Maine. His name is Abdul Ali, also goes by Ali, y'all. And I'm just really happy that I can interview today a person who I have just seen so much work and inspiration from in Maine, who's just a really dope organizer but more than anything just a really dope human being and you know ali i'm giving you that hype because it's all true not because you know we're on this podcast and i hope you know that and just thank you for being willing to come on the show and share us share with us a little bit more about you hey man i really appreciate you even giving me the opportunity to be um beyond this uh you know i've also you know witnessed a lot of your healing and um a lot of you know a lot of the work that you've been doing so very inspired by uh, you're you're moving forward, and you know it's actually giving me a lot of the ability to do the work I do right now. So, oh, thank you, Ali. I I appreciate that, and I want people to hear this episode and get to know you a little bit better, right? Who is Ali? What do you currently do, and why healing? Or if not healing, what is the process for you like? Um, you know. There's just so many different places where I, I could start as a as an individual because, you know, um, I think every every person in particular, you know, has different parts of them. And uh, for me, it it's it's grown into figuring out what parts there are of me. Right. Um, so I think I would just start off by, you know, by ethnicity. I'm, I'm Ethiopian um, and I came to this country at the age of three. Uh, came from a, a, a more of a refugee you know, immigration uh, status um, with both of my parents and um, with three siblings and I was uh, two siblings and I was the youngest at the time. Growing up was very difficult um, in this country because first off, my parents um, had, a, had a divorce when I was seven, right? Um, and that 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 took a, a big toll on me specifically because um, you know being either being with one parent, you're going to miss the other parent. You're gonna start hating the parent that you're with because, like, where's the other parent at? Um, and my parents were not; they, didn't, they never got along, right? So, um, so I moved to Maine from Ohio after the divorce, 
and I left with my dad. It was me and my brother and my father. The rest of the, they had, we had younger siblings by then and an older sister stayed with mom in Ohio. And when we came to Maine, what happened was like, my father knew a friend up here. We had to find somebody. We had no family members, no nothing. So he, he, came, he came specifically here because he, he, he thought and heard that uh, uh, there's a great opportunity out here. But mm-hmm. what in the back of our minds, we're just like, yo, we're, we're missing mom, bro. Like, are you serious? We want to be with our um, And we start off at the shelter, you know? Um, and at the shelter, it was, uh, it, was, it was difficult. It was just me and my brother just like, you know, and my father sleeping pretty much on, the, on, the, on the, in a double a bunk bed. Um, and we would go to school, come back, and where right after we'd go to the Boys and Girls Club, you know? Um, and a lot of the kids in the Boys and Girls Club were, you know, Somali, were Sudanese, were Asian, um, and, and, and white, right? Uh, but in, in primarily in Maine, around that time, it was probably like 99%, 98% white. So you knew that, you know, this was already very difficult, right? Yeah. Um, you know, growing up, then we moved into an apartment and my father was, you know, working at a warehouse or um, he was a very smart man. You know, he was a professor back in Africa. But, you know, when you come to this country, you, you don't accept any of your credentials. So after working at the warehouse, um, he just got on the taxi and started driving taxis. And then from taxis, he went on a truck. You know, he started getting he's on the truck. So, you know, this means that he's working a lot. And, and my brother and I are, are home a lot. And um, so we, we didn't really have a, a structure of a home. We're like we didn't have a couch. Like growing up, there was no couch. There was um, a bed in the living room, uh, a bed for my room, you know, and no box spring too. So just a bed. And then uh, my brother had a uh, a bed too. So my older brother was the only person that I looked up to, you know. And he at that time he had looks, he had the style, he had the way he really knew how to talk. Like, and I was I was you know eight, so I mean like third grade, third grade or fourth grade. Um, and I used to just walk with him to school to uh, to elementary school. And I just, you know, I was isolated because everybody grew up with each other in the neighborhood. Everybody was Somali at the time, you know? So me being Ethiopian, you got to try to mix, try to make, um, you know, good friends um, and, um, and understand everybody. But you're just quiet. Like you're just, you're an outcast. So that, that was difficult. You know, I, I remember even there was only one black kid in my class and they were split in classes and this, and he was a smaller kid and he was, he was my best friend, like, bro, Mm-hmm. And what teacher did was she intentionally like split him and I because we talked so much. And I remember getting so mad, pulling my chair to the back of the room and just sat there and just like crossed my arms and started crying. Like, because like, this is my only homie, you know? Mm-hmm. And then my, and my brother, my older brother, was just getting in trouble all the freaking time. Like so much. Boom, boom, boom. And what happened was eventually like my dad, my dad used to like, yo, like why you keep getting in trouble? He used to give him a lot of stuff to, for, for him to stop being in trouble. I'm like, bro. Like, why you give him all the stuff, bro? What's, what about me? Like, I'm the one that's doing good, you know? So, and he's like a great year, a great older me. And then we go through fourth grade, fifth grade. And then he's, I'm, I'm jumping, I'm going into sixth grade. He skips a whole grade, right? And because, because his age was a little bit above, above mine, I get even more upset about this, right? I'm just like, yo, this kid gets everything. He gets the girls, <laughs> you know? He gets like, he gets his friends. Like, he gets all this things. Like, what, what is it, you know? So, but, and I, and I stayed patient, stayed quiet. Like every single night, I remember coming home with my key and like every single day after school, I'd come home and I'd just go to sleep by myself. No parents, no nothing. Like, you know, and, and I had a photo of my, my, of my mother and I had, there was no cell phones then, you know, there was home phones. 
So like I had a photo of my mother on my wall and I used to look at it every single day, you know? And like for two, three years, like it was just, I would eat noodles. I was mad skinny, like, you know, and there were no parents. I just literally raised myself. Like I'd brush my teeth myself. I would leave in the morning. I'd come back by myself. So what happened was after um, my brother came into eighth grade, he, uh, is it, you want me to continue with my life story or? And you could, you the, yeah, you could. I mean, as, as you're doing that, maybe you can start also connecting it to how some of those things shape your identity in the broader scheme of things, right? And and right. sort of how it connects to this broader conversation of being able to process those experiences and how they led to us being where we are now. Right. So this the reason why I'm actually even telling you this because, you know, I'm, I'm specifically talking about it as a place of belonging, right? Because I didn't have a place of belonging. Mm. Like, you did, like every time you're scared, you're afraid as a child, whatever, you're going to go to your parents, you're going to go to a place where you're, you feel safe. I didn't have that. I didn't have anywhere specifically. I felt so I didn't even know who God was, right? I remember even like going to sleep one time and I was so mad at God at night. Like, I was like, why am I always alone? Like, I was scared of sh- like, every single night, you know? And, and I, I cursed out God. I was so mad. I was like, you know, I don't care. I don't like you, da, da, da. And I went to sleep and I woke up with an anxiety attack in the middle of the night saying, oh, sorry, God. Like, I was, I was so afraid, but I didn't even know who God was. Like I didn't have a religion, I didn't have religion, you know what I mean? So nobody, nobody taught me this. So finally my brother, um, after eighth grade, my, my brother flew to Ohio to go with my mom. And then my father was like, hey, you know, like, um, you know, your family, nobody's here. You want to go back to your mom? I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, I can't wait to go back to my, you know, my mom. So I left after four years. Went to, as soon as I went to my mom's, like, my mom was just different, you know? Uh, I have two new siblings with, you know, a stepdad. I didn't know I even had a stepdad. I'm like, what? Like, I haven't talked to anybody, bro. Like, you know? And um, then I, I, I stayed with my mom for, like, two to three weeks. And then one day she flipped out because my younger sister got hit and thought it was me. And then, so she hit me. So I'm like, yo, like, I've never been hit, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I've raised myself. How are you going to hit me? Like, so I started flipping out. Like, why are you, why are you hit me when I did nothing? You know, and so she kicked me out at the age of 12. Um, I remember sleeping like outside um, uh, under cars and stuff like that. And then um, what happened was my grandmother was, was, was just came from Africa, you know, but she lived like, like a good 15, 10, 10, 15 minute walk away. She walked over and grabbed me and she was like, you know, I'm going to take you in. So when I went with her, um, I stayed with her for a little bit. I thought it was just for that summer, but eventually I started to go to school with like, because my mom like sent me through with her. Three years of that, we're living with my grandmother. I learned Arabic. I learned, you know what I mean? I had to read and write. I learned Quran. I learned Somali. I learned a lot of things from, from my grandmother. But then my grandmother went to Saudi Arabia. And then my auntie that um, lived with us, like, she was really, she was evil, bro. Like, she used to lock the door on me. And I used to have to go sleep over at the mm. neighbor's house, like, all the time. So, like, then that's when it, it happened again. So I started sleeping with the neighbors. Then my family finally heard about it. That's like a month or two. Like, nobody ever checked up on me. I stayed quiet. I always stayed quiet. I always peep game, you know, like, but, um, and then what happened when my dad took me in again, and this time i lived with my brother again. This is the only person I really knew, right? My older brother, then he started to get mentally, he started having mental, mental health issues, right? He started to talk to himself and I'm watching this. I'm like, yo, bro, like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? You know, he's like, yo, just leave me alone, bro. I'm good. You know, I'm reading. And he would just read a lot of books. I'm like, yo, when did this kid start reading? You know, hmm. and then he just he would just they start seeing weird stuff. Like I'm like, bro, you were spoiled. Like you were, you know, you were healthy. You had all the fire, most fire Jordans. Like you had girls, everything. And then I just noticed his mind started to deteriorate and stuff. Like, and I was just watching this happen. I'm like, bro, like what do we do? Um, and then my father would come home, you know, um, 
and this is in Ohio because he got the crib in Ohio because of me and, and him. Um, and what happened was we just we just watched it mm-hmm. just get like you know. So in his day now he's actually really 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 bad. So this that's that's one the biggest one of the biggest scars. Um, and then from there, um, my mom was like, I'm moving to Maine because I want to check out how it is. So she moved to Maine. I came with her, and as soon as we came up here, me and my mom clashed a lot, you know. And I and I know Maine. I grew up here, um, and. I, you know, I went and I had fun sometimes, like a lot, because she kicked me out like many times. So I was like, whatever, I'm just gonna have fun. Mm-hmm. So I went to go smoke and drink. And then while I was on probation, uh, I got I got arrested for something uh, that well, because I was with friends. I was like 15 years old, and I, I got I got out on probation because like it wasn't nothing heavy. But then my mom kept sending me back and kept telling her, you know, he's not listening. He's not this, he's not that. Mm-hmm. I started to like grow this like hate for for her for a while, you know. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember you know, punching the wall. Like my sister was like, just leave him alone. Like mom, you know. I was like, I raised you. I was like, you didn't raise me. Like where were you, bro? Like don't don't tell me that. So eventually, I got I went incar- I got incarcerated, um, and then I got my GED while I was incarcerated. You know, I um, I did two years, and while I was in there, you know, after I got my GED, I went straight to college at the age of seventeen. Um, had a three point nine GPA. Like I was killing it, you know. Because like you know when I first stepped into um when I first stepped into the juvie like the first thing I wanted to do was just like sleep like I just wanted to sleep like I was tired bro I was being around like 15 years old walking around just looking for life you feel me mm. like and it's just exhausting right so um but you know not understanding that the whole system has another whole sense of trauma again mm-hmm. not a system really 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 hit me hard um what happened with the system was uh. Like, you know, being confined in a space, in a tight space. And I know you know this, man. You know, for, for a very long time, really, um, like, messes up your mind to, you know, you just don't grow. Um, so another sense of trauma came. I got out the age of 19. Um, you know, my mom was like, you know, if my kids are going to get locked up. I'm going to go back to Ohio. So she flew to Ohio again, took the kids. I went to Ohio. And I started going to, you know, going to Columbus State Community College over there. And But I became the father of the family now. You know, all these younger siblings, mm-hmm. like, Six, six of five of them younger than me at the time. And I'm just like, God damn, like, when am I going to live? Like, I would work 12 hours. I would, um, you, know, you know, go to school over and over. Like, it was just like, I would remember falling asleep on the wheel. Like, I'm just tired. And I'm taking this one to basketball practice, this one over here. I'm teaching this one how to pray, doing this, like, and I'm just, like, exhausted, you know? I'm like, where are these kids' fathers? Like, I remember mm. arguing with my, my dad and just, like, my stepdad and stuff like that. My mom was just not real home either. So all of these issues really just brought me back to Maine to live for myself. And when I came back here, um, I got into a lot of the work because I did a lot of theater even inside um, being incarcerated. So I got into the work of like um, criminal justice reform and stuff like that and, uh, and a lot of theater work. And that's, that's kind of where my, my um, healing started. Mm. So I, I know that was a lot, bro. But. No, no. And, and thank you for unpacking your life. Right. Because I feel like every time we do one of these episodes, people share at different points in their life. Right. And you just gave everybody a real sort of quick run through of your whole sort of experience and how it shaped your connection to people, how it shaped your ability to find community, find home. Find what is home? You know, who are my caregivers? Who are my people? And. You know, I know that when you and I spoke in preparation, you know, you you talk about reflecting on some of this, right? And and so as you're reflecting on these experiences and even 
the incarceration experience and using theater as a means of communication. I know that arts have become also something that you do as a form of communicating. And how has that process been like for you to now look back and be like, here are these experiences that shape me and here's how I'm using them to now be a force of change? Because that's literally what you've become in Maine as well, a force for change. Well, uh, what theater did was it gave me an outlet, right? It gave me an outlet to express the, the, the issues that I'm going through and other juveniles that were um, I was locked up with at the time going through. And even when I came out, kids in the community and the stuff that they, they were going through. As a population of people of color in Maine started to grow. So now it's like I think 96% white. So that means like, you know, we've, we're, we've grown, you know, a good two or three percent um, uh, ever since, you know, when I was since I was a kid. So what happened is like, you know, kids, if, I, if this happened to me, it's going to happen to a lot of other kids just like me. And the only way we can express like the issues is to talk about these stories in particular to people that have the power to change it. Like the first time we, I did a performance, it was in front of 500 people. Like it was my the first big performance. I get went off grounds and, and, and everybody was like in tears. Everybody mm. were, were in tears, were just like emotional. They were clapping. It was at the university. And, and, and it really, it took me aback, it took me aback a little bit because I was just like, wow, like people are really listening. They really care. Right. So I, one, it was not only a selfish reason, I liked that people cared. Mm-hmm. I liked the fact that people can care. I'm like, okay, so now they, they'll start to listen, they'll understand. So as I started continuing to do those, this work, you know, after three or four years, what I've noticed is like a lot of homies from the streets, you know, they were, um, you know, being, they were either addicted to things or, you know, they weren't, they, they were dying at a high rate, you know. And, and, mm-hmm. and one, of the par- one of my partners um, that performed with me for about six years, he died. Uh, a year and a half ago, um, and, and I and it was an Islamic burial, and I had to bury him with my bare hands. Um, and there wasn't many people at the funeral, like you know, just to think about. Not many people at your funeral. Um, you're you're an activist, you know. You, you know, he did illegal activities too to survive. Yeah, but the thing is that, like, you know, he's he's trying his best. Like the cops would not stop bothering him. He had two kids. Um, he was younger. He was a year younger than me. Um, and uh, you know. He came home after a performance one day and, you know, the kids weren't home. Like, he's the one that provides for his younger siblings, his mother, his wife that he lives with him, and the two kids that he has, you know. So when he came home and he didn't see his kids there, he just, he just started bawling in his eyes. He's like, I can't do this anymore. So he went out um, and, and got a, a bottle of penny and some pills. Uh, um, and, and, and he just, he sat right outside his house and he just popped him a drink. And, you know, his wife came out in the morning and saw the dead body, you know. Um, on the chair you know so i got a call that that that, that morning i'm you know, saying you know i'm gonna say it just like this you know one of our directors called us and said you know rune is dead and i was like you know i've been to funerals bro over and over and over again but like that one really it took me that one took a lot off of me you know so i think that like these these experiences just understanding it from an outside perspective really tested that i you know that could have been me right and how many times have has have, have i been through these um, type of difficulties and issues and stuff because i have a daughter too you know so it's just like like, you know, I don't, I, we need this to stop. And it's the system that's killing us. It's the communities, it's the, it's the, it's the country's uh, social life um, that's affecting people. And then, you know, when the systems get, get, get to us in particular, it destroys our lives too, so. Hmm. It, 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 it's really important that people who are listening understand that what Ali's describing is a very real dynamic between the life that we live growing up 
And then when we come across some of these systems, like the criminal justice system, all of a sudden we are layered with a bunch of other things that we didn't ask for necessarily and that our communities never really thought we would need in order to survive, right? I feel like, and it's part of our uh, the movement that I know Ali from, which is the one to close youth prisons or to just the abolition of prisons in general. And I think part of what you're saying, Ali, is really important for people to understand, right? That Ali is a storyteller. He is someone who speaks from a place of authentic, just stories from his own life. And healing in many ways for us at Healing Ninjas is about that. It's about the stories, but more importantly, the journey behind the story, right? How I know Ali is a beautiful thing because of his activism and all the work that he does. But he just mentioned he's a dad and he also gets to be a brother and he also gets to be a son and he gets to be someone's close friend or even a friend to someone who he just mentioned passed away at one point. And Ali, as people are listening and just kind of seeing you in your humanity right now, what words would you share with people who are currently on this journey of self-discovery and evaluating their lives or being able to learn how to tell their story because you just beautifully shared yours in the very beginning even though you kind of felt like oh like should i keep sharing or like what am i doing but you shared it so beautifully right and you seem to be able to do that really well and maybe it's theater that did it for you um or maybe it's just a gift that you have but for people who are struggling with crafting their own story or the narrative that they have of themselves, what would you tell them? How can they go about being able to tell that story for themselves and just be their own force of change for themselves? I mean, it, it really just starts off as it's like, okay, like one tragic thing can happen, right? But you don't really know how many tragic things has happened in your life. Like, and, and it's actually a lot of, yeah, it may be the systems and things around you that it's, that's, that's causing problems. But once you start to notice you start to look deeper in your life, you'll start to notice why you react the specific way you, you react, right? And why you move a specific way you move. And, and, the, and you'll, you'll have a, um, you'll expect a, a, an outcome from your mind that your, that your actions will actually cause these, these, these outcomes. So just because like the first, because the first like um, story that I've, I've ever told, it was just like a small um, a, a part of my life where I was like, you know, really going through a lot and I was drinking a lot. But then what I noticed is like, you know, I thought every part of my life when I was growing up was normal. But when I started noticing, it was like not normal. That wasn't okay for me to be alone for four years and then, you know, to be incarcerated for, you know, uh, about two years, you know, and then and then being in maximum security for over like, you know, 10 days, being like staring at walls. That's not normal. Like these things that that, that occurred to me, you know, um, of not having a mother and, and, and not really even having like a father figure, like, like my father was out. These things were... I'm just starting to know, like in my twenties, I'm like, damn, like I see why I act this way and I act this way. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, for every single person um, in particular, it's like, you have to make yourself important. Like mm. you have to make yourself important to you. Like that's the only thing, like just the same way you have the ability to work, to do this and that. Everybody has that ability to do the same thing for themselves. So we are taught to serve. We as like, and especially when people are uh, people of color, uh, especially those, those who come from different countries, we're taught to serve others. Hmm. We need to stop doing that for a moment and put ourselves in the, in the, in the center and put our, make ourselves uh, better. Because after we do that and we start to walk, others will watch. 
and do the same thing. But if you just serve others, they're just going to sit around. Mm. They're just going to, they're going to take, but the more you lead people will follow. So I think it was just like, you know, the fact that I just don't care what people think anymore. I don't like, I'm just going to do what the hell I'm going to do. If it's a damn performance, like, yo, this is a street dude doing a performance. Like, yo, it is what it is. And, but now it's got me somewhere. Now mm. other people, now all the homies, I was like, like, what are you doing? Now they're looking at like, yo fam, I, I really appreciate the things that you do. You feel me? Like, oh, can you help me out with a job over here? Can you, you know, my daughter, even one of some guys, like you worked with my daughter at the state house. And I'm just like, damn, like, it's crazy. You know, so um, like a lot of these things is, 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 is the fact that, you know, you, you have to find a passion for yourself and, and the issues that you've been through. That will determine exactly what you know, your purpose is in life. Hmm. Just from my perspective. No, and thank you for that, Ali. Right. Because and I want to caution our listeners too, right, as you're going through this and, and, and know that each of us have our own journeys, our own stories and how we talk about them and. You know, I I personally now feel like we're all kind of in this place of trying to find purpose. And I've been in it for a while, Ali, and, and you've seen me and you've uh, had also I've had moments where I've been able to walk you through some stuff and you've been able to kind of listen to me as I walk myself through some stuff and have you kind of bounce that back for me as another um another friend as another fellow advocate and just from one guy to another guy right and as we're thinking about these conversations you know i want people to remember that not every story is the same and that as we're talking about our journeys we have the ability to come up with our own performance of how we do our lives right like we have that control and that ability to create our own performance and how we shape our narrative but more importantly how we carry ourselves. And I appreciate you so much, Ali, because part of what has been beautiful about you and seeing your growth is just been seeing you own all the pieces of you and being able to sit in retrospect and think about how those things shaped you and using them as tools to now help other people change. And as we wrap up, are there particular things that you would want people to support specific to your work um, in Maine? You as a you know professional who's doing also other type of advocacy work, what other things could people plug into to listen more from you? And also, are there any resources or books or anything that you would recommend that people like tune into after this episode? Um, yeah, I mean, if, uh, if anybody like wants to see any type of like my art and on poetry or, um, the things that I do when, you know, spoken word, um, I've been trying to do a lot more, uh, visual rather than doing theater, um, lately, mm -hmm. uh, especially ever since I changed organizations and stuff, I don't work with the same amount of groups. So I try, I like to do it just for social change. And it's a lot of, if people are anybody of color, anybody that's black, anybody that's, um, you know, uh, come coming from marginalized communities, LGBTQ, um, anybody that actually just wants to hear in a, uh, you know, a perspective of how the, the systems are, you know, I have a, a page called Humble Poetry 2020, um, if you want to check on Instagram. And then I have also Instagram page as Humble Philosopher 2020. And if you, if you click the link tree uh, link at the top, it's actually all of um, the websites and videos that I have um, on there. 
and you know, you're also you can also see some of the organizations that I work for, um, and also the, the the commission that I sit on for our city right now. So. Hmm. Ali, I will be sure to share those links. Um, y'all can stay tuned for that. I definitely want people to follow your art, especially the visual. You've done a lot of great work on that, my friend. And I just want to give you a shout out and kudos for all the work that you're doing, not just for broader Maine, but also for young people who are currently in prisons and you taking your own story and taking your own background and now using it to really change systems in Maine and around the country because you're also becoming a voice um, around the country nationally through the work that you do. And so thank you for taking a moment to talk to me, for sharing your brilliance. And like I said, y'all, I will be sure to share all the links to Ali's work, his Instagram, all the dope work that he does. And yeah, thank you, Ali. I appreciate you. Thanks, man. And yeah, I'm, I'm telling you guys right now, man, I, I, I really do. I followed Hernan's lead for a very long time and I've noticed so, so much. Um, and don't get me wrong. I still hit him up like, yo, I need, I got a problem. I got issues here and there. So, you know, I really appreciate this. And um, and, I, and I hope that people that are tuning in um, really stay dedicated to this podcast, man. It's just beautiful. Thank you. I hope so, too. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and follow us at Healing Ninjas on all social media platforms. If you're interested in sharing your own story, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.healingninjas.org and sign up to be featured. We look forward to sharing your journey next.